Hey, it's been a while, and we're back doing the Hugo Floss podcast with me, Dan Hugo, and the one and only Nancy Hugo. Well, hi, Dan. It's been a while. It has been a while, although for the uninitiated, I was actually visiting Phoenix, and it's kind of weird to do this sort of a podcast when we're sitting at the same table. So part of the charm, I think, is that we're in two different cities, and it was, it was a mirror of our phone calls during the pandemic lockdown, so we're back in action. Well, and also we would talk about what we did during the week, and since you were um, back in the nest, you knew everything that I was doing, and I knew what you were doing, so there was really no spark of intrigue. So just yeah. <laughs> so now we're back to um, where we were before you came down to Phoenix, so this should be an interesting show. We have to do a catch-up. Ketchup and mustard. So I moved uh, for to catch up uh, to go back a little bit to to uh, in our last episode. I was moving from my, the apartment where I got the no cause, no renewal, non renewal notice. So for no reason other than we just want to rent it somebody else. I was moving out. I completely misjudged the amount of stuff that I had to deal with after living there for eight years because I really hadn't lived anywhere that long for quite some time. So my entire move plan kind of got screwed up, but eventually I did find my way to Phoenix. I was there for, what, five weeks? Mm -hmm. Did various uh, searching for side gigs and, and ways to pass the time enjoyed uh, a few incidents in your house that you could talk about if you want. Um, had also a few living back with your parents after you haven't for a while. And so sure. that's, that was either good or bad. You can explain how you feel. But well, what, you're I mean, doing, that part is... what you're doing right now, this reminds me of, okay, we're starting season two, episode one, and we yeah. are just doing a flashback on what season one was all about. Well, I mean, it has been five, five or six weeks. Yeah. So, but yeah, so the move was not quite as planned, but I ended up in Phoenix. I was there for several weeks. We had, uh, some Casa Nunzia discussions. We had some other chats about this and that. We had some, some, uh, some ideas about some assistive technologies and, and the way some things could work in a home that aren't necessarily tech, but stuff. And then I loaded up a truck and I came back to Las Vegas on the 19th of October, I was here. I was unloading uh, in a that, that, uh, quite quite a journey between the truck and the actual apartment. That's a that's a totally different story, but it wasn't quite as planned. I had a different apartment. Uh, so it was a long day of moving. I finished on the 20th, turned the truck in just in time, 4 o'clock p.m. on the 20th. Mm -hmm. And here I am unpacking. And uh, I still have stuff in storage. And so we are commencing our, maybe it's season two. I don't know, however you want to look at it. But Well, you're in a new apartment. We can call it season two. Sure. And today's the 24th. And, you know, this may not come as a shock to you, but there are people who move maybe into their house or whatever. They've got so much stuff that they never really unpack. It's been years. People say, I still have stuff in boxes. I've been here two and three years. So, um you know, it's it's a personal choice. If you end up having stuff in boxes that you haven't looked at for two years, doesn't that red flag go up that says, hey, I don't need that stuff. Or maybe all of that stuff is taking space in my garage and I could be using for a car. 
there are people yeah. that use their garage I mean, they have it wall-to-wall boxes, and they never really put their car in the garage. Now, in Arizona, and I'm sure in Vegas, it's really important because when it reaches 115 and your car is outside in the sun all the time, the poor car is really getting, um, the rubber's getting worn away. It just ages um, not sure. very nicely. So everybody wants either a carport or a garage where they, they, they uh, put up a tent to stick their car in probably because they have never unpacked their boxes and they're in the garage but uh, so we're four days into your move how do you feel you think you're doing good um i i i unpack the uh, coffee devices i sat on my computer well, the necessity. my bed yeah, yeah well the, so the fun part the funnest part probably was because okay so everything that i own that i actually ended up moving is actually not so difficult to move. Now, the stuff that was in storage is a little bit more difficult, and the stuff that I kind of bailed on, like I shedded a lot of stuff, was too much of a pain to move and not valuable. I mean, not, it, it had probably cash value, but not valuable to me, mm-hmm. like a like a big giant beanbag chair that I never really used. So I'm like, okay, this is way too much of a pain to move. Mm-hmm. So screw it probably would not have fit in the truck anyway. Well, um, you get to like the that. point, though, where people want to hold on to stuff because of, number one, they're too lazy to get rid of it. Number two, they really want to sell it, but they don't have the time, mm-hmm. so therefore it's it's part of their entourage. Or number three, it's lost its, um, its value, its interest, its functionality. So what do you do with it? You dump it. And the people right. have nostalgic... Uh, thoughts about things that they never want to give up and i'm one of those people so i understand that but sometimes it takes a move to purge what you haven't looked at or used in years yeah i mean not that i would want to do this again but i mean the fire scenario is much easier because you don't have to think about it you're like oh i'm leaving (laughs) now yeah um so that was that was something. But anyway, so so most of the sentimental things fit in banker boxes, so it's not too awful. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the next couple of weeks. I, the, moving the stuff out of storage and then figuring out what I will keep from that will be the next wave. So, But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I'm back in Las Vegas. The weather is turning chilly in the mornings and nice during the day. Um, I think that's all over the the country except maybe I I heard that someplace somebody had snow. Now it's someplace where I don't live because I don't like snow. So we're having the same weather you are. Beautiful days, gorgeous nights, nothing to complain about. Right? There's always something to complain about. Well, I'm sure. I'm but, sure. Uh... But I mean, as far as the weather goes. And by the way, I'm just in case anyone is hearing any echo, which I guess maybe there isn't too much, but there's a one one of the big things that I'm looking forward to is less dust associated with carpeting. So this place has like a, is it vinyl flooring, mm-hmm. like the fake wood right. stuff? Fake wood, so, yes, vinyl. Which is what's well, it's nice because it doesn't scratch. I've uh, when I was moving stuff around, I was like, oh, good. What I just did did not scratch anything. So okay, good. Um, I mean, just moving around these shelving things and whatnot. So, <clears throat> so I have high hopes that my allergies will do better in this place. Oh, yeah. But, but as a trade-off, you get 
reflection of audio. So if you hear any echo, that's I'll have to deal with that. Well, the other thing is, and I might add, so in case people don't know, because I do, you don't have any soft furniture. You don't have any couches. I do not. Right. And so they have a bed. You don't have any drapes on the windows. So even though you have a hard floor, um, typically people would have furniture to absorb some of the sound. But you have set up your living quarters more like an office sleeping quarters um true loft type look yeah 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 it's a loft with like a there's a wall that's not complete it's not a complete wall so there's two entrances to the bedroom on either end of the wall that's like a room divider yeah um a, a, a hard one but you go there's a carpeting on the bedroom side so so yeah we'll see how things go but anyway so that's uh I'm I'm back in Vegas. I have a bunch of things to work on. Hopefully, I'll have a meeting this week. At least one. Uh, EDC is this week. If anybody was coming to Vegas for the Electric Daisy Carnival and to get your uh, dance moves on, that was gonna, it's supposed to be four hundred fifty thousand people attending. Are you serious? Which I find I find that impossible to believe, but that's what was in the paper. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The, I mean, it's a multi-day event, so I don't know if that means four hundred fifty thousand. It's usually at the racetrack, which is kind of northeast of where I am. Mm-hmm. Not not too far, but um, uh, yeah. So I don't know if that's so. For example, when the attendance at CES is usually like one hundred eighty thousand. And I believe that's total attendance. I don't know if 450,000 is total or 450, I mean, 450,000 individual people, or if that's daily summed up to be, you know what I mean? Like if it's, if it's four days, if that's 110,000 people a day or something, I don't know. Even that, that's a lot of people. It is. So that the headline was, you know, 450,000, despite the, the lower temperatures and the pandemic <laughs> and in that order, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And then I guess there was a there was a truck that flipped over on the freeway, so it's blocking everybody going to the event. <laughs> so anybody who was on the freeway got stuck in freeway traffic, which is backed up forever. So oh, when did it start? I I guess yesterday, maybe Friday. Oh. I mean, if people are f- streaming to it, I don't know. I, I've never been, so I don't know. Uh, I was just flipping through the headlines to see what was going on in my fair city. Mm. Yes. How's your COVID so, numbers going? Everything is uh, continuing the downtrend, which I guess is good. Although I'm personally always curious to know how they handle the tourists because they don't get counted. So I had a conversation today with one of my clients who happens to be a COVID tracker. She works for a company that is um, sourced out by the health department so i said as i typically do so how were the numbers so she said well uh the other day it was showing two cases three cases and all of a sudden today it's three thousand because they revamped the system and so it's not accurate at all but she said typically it has been going up um unfortunately so I think in Nevada, the Nevada Health Department, they there's an asterisk now because they changed it from just people that got the PCR test. 
And now they're including rapid testing. So that increases the amounts of tests and changes the positivity stuff. So you're either getting a positive PCR test or a positive uh, antigen test or whatever, right? So either way, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> now that the all the boosters are approved and all that, you know, hopefully over time there will be a general decrease and we'll just see what happens. You know, and since... Well, there are people who are not getting the vax or the boosters, and you know it's their business. But if if P, if the COVID still stuck with us, but there were hardly any deaths, and we do know that there were deaths from the flu, right? Yes. So there we are every year. Right. Yeah. So we're going to have deaths every year from COVID, and we're going to have cases, and people are going to be sick, and there's different degrees of sickness. And so it's just going to be something like the flu that we have to live with. So right. rather so it becomes endemic. Yeah. So rather than it be the headlines, they should say, okay, you know, this is part of life. Just like eating, just like going to the bathroom and you get the flu or the COVID, whatever. Get on with life. Let's, you know. Except that 5 million people died last year from I know. I know. SARS-CoV-2. We can't go so. back. We can't go back. Right. So as long as it becomes endemic and not remaining. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as it becomes an, an, an endemic virus, just like the flu and the variants of the flu. Sure. So hopefully we do get there and, you know, I, I will get my Moderna booster, Moderna, Moderna, Moderna and booster. Um, mm. do my thing. Uh, I still have my masks. I have a whole bunch of surgical masks. I have a, uh, some sort of KN95 style mask. So yeah, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really bother me either way to, to do my part uh, to keep myself healthy. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if everybody would be concerned about themselves, then possibly we'll have a slowdown and it'll just be an endemic, like you said, and we can go on with life. The only thing is our wardrobe now is probably going to include a mask. Well, it'll it would be in, it would be interesting in into the future if our culture in America would adopt that practice when people are sick and they go to work, mm -hmm. right? Like if people go to work and they have a cold or if, or they're you know sniffling, coughing, if they would just if, if they want to go to work, put wear a mask. Now that everybody knows how that works, you'd probably have fewer people catching the flu and COVID and colds and everything because. Right if there is the mindset. So, you know, that would be nice if that was a result. Well, five years ago, four years ago, if I went to the store and I saw, and I did, I saw some people wearing a mask and I would think, oh, they must have some sort of a, uh, some allergy or something. But you did, you saw maybe one out of a hundred, one out of 200. So not a big deal, but they were the minority and they were, I hate to say this, but they were usually Asian. Because culturally, now, that's right, normal. Right, because yeah. we've talked about that before. Well, now, because it's commonplace to go to a food store or to go shopping or not so much a party because there was an event here with about 150 people, not one person wore a mask. So they're still stopping there. Okay, I'll go to the store, I'll wear my mask. But when I socialize, I don't want to wear any masks. That's up hmm. to the individual, right? Yeah, I still liken it to smoking. So, okay, that's 
So if you want to go to uh, somebody's house or a party or whatever, and if a mask is equivalent to smoking, as far as like, eh, you can smoke or not smoke, it's up to you. But when you're when you're somewhere and you're blowing smoke in somebody's face, they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be smoking here, right? Or you're supposed to be wearing a mask or you're supposed to be keeping distance. So yeah, it's up to you, except that whatever's up to you is actually affecting people around you. So it's sort of a, you know, it's a two head, uh, it's a two direction, uh, two bi-directional consideration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even though it's up to you, but just like smoking, like I said, it's the same arguments. There are casinos here in Vegas that I think there's one on the strip that's non-smoking. It's um, Park MGM, I think. Really? So yeah, they just changed um, probably during the pandemic, but that, that made some news, some minor headline. Well, you know how crazy I am about being around smokers, right? Sure. I mean, if you go to the El Cortez, which is the oldest casino mm -hmm. in downtown, the oldest uh, like freestanding casino, whatever, it uh, it smells disgusting. It has it's, the oh, it reeks, right? Yeah, it's a completely unique scent, and it's probably just from smoke from the fifties. <laughs> it's still there. Well, yeah, because we did stay there. Uh, yeah, and you could smell the smoke in the rooms. And the newer right. the the casino, the better the ventilation system is. Sure, sure. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's just an old building, and it's got old who know who knows what's floating around in there. But right. so people want to smoke in there, that's fine. But uh, you know, but it do does they affect have no other people. Smoking in the restaurants, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Do they that allow smoking good... in restaurants? I haven't I haven't sat in a restaurant in quite a while, but I don't believe I don't remember being in a restaurant in Vegas that had an ashtray at a table or anything. So bars yeah. are totally separate. But I don't remember people yeah. smoking in a restaurant. I think I think there's just a general like, eh, we're eating. You don't need this flavor of smoke oh, in my food. Yeah, yeah. I do remember I think I celebrated the day that they said no more smoking in restaurants because or or you used to go, I'll sit in the non smoking. I'll sit now. I was with somebody right. who smoked and I said Oh, we'd like a table for two in the non-smoking. And I got a dirty look and I said, I'm sorry, but I cannot eat while you're smoking in my face. Why should we sit in the smoking section? And they finally did away with that. And then, of course, they said, you have to smoke outside, but you have to be so many feet away from the door. Nobody listens. You know, as you approach the door, you're covered in secondhand smoke. It's disgusting. I think. Um, but it's people, up to them, to whatever they want to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But people. Well, I mean, who, so that's where I make the mask analogy, right? Yeah, yeah. So. People who listen to this podcast probably figure that I'm a non-smoker, but I'm, I'm totally, a thousand percent against smoking. I, there's nothing good about it. I don't think. And yeah. I've had this argument with other people. They get pleasure out of it. They like to have it after they eat. Oh God, why do you want to put that stuff in your mouth after you've had a nice, delicious meal? But Okay. I've never smoked in my life and I don't think I ever will. Good plan. Good mm -hmm. plan. But it's up to you. Yeah. Okay. Next subject. Okay. Go ahead. Your turn. <laughs> um, so we did. So I mentioned that we had some discussions about the Casa Nunzia project. I'm, or I guess we're kind of moving towards a, a name like the Casa Nunzia Foundation. Now that I'm back in Vegas, uh, you can either, as long as you have a statutory address in Nevada, you can file the paperwork in Nevada and form an LLC or a nonprofit or whatever. So nonprofit paperwork 
forthcoming. And then the goal would be for CES to hand out some cards and whatnot. Every time we talk about it to people, there's always this interest. It's a good idea. Everybody thinks it's a good idea. It's definitely a gap. So hopefully that will be the case as the ball gets rolling. People will continue to be interested. And as I said, there there were some things in the house there, your house, where some take-home lessons about water shut off and um, what was another one? There was a, I think there was another one. But anyway, there there's in, in your home, you listening right now, in your home, there are things in your home that as you get older or as you become less mobile or ambulatory or whatever, or even if you have a guest come over, there are things that could be a little bit more friendly to people in your home. So hmm. that's kind of the goal. So yeah, there's, there's some things that we kind of, we chatted about and we had a, a one meeting with somebody and so that was interesting. So there'll be more about that. Uh-huh. Um, ironically, I just did a podcast, um, about safety in the home and this has to do with a lot of what we're talking about um if you're aged if you're if you got disabilities if you broke your your foot or your you had to have a hip replacement all this affects everybody at one point in their life so um yes i did talk about what people can do to just make sure that um life is a little bit easier and safe. And I actually did bring up the fact that if a caregiver is um, concerned about whoever she's giving her time to, in my case, it's my husband, your father, I have to be extra careful and safe because if you think about it, if a caregiver um, has an accident, even washing dishes cuts your hand, then you've got to go to the emergency room for stitches and you're leaving the person that you're caring for by himself, especially if you have to have it, uh, have your problem taken care of immediately. So it's, right. it's, it's the whole thing. It's caregivers have to be careful. They have to be careful with the people that they're taking care of and the people who need the caregiving, whether it's just a simple, okay, I'm walking with a walker, but I got it stuck on a rug and I tripped or whatever. You know, it, everybody has to be awake and aware for everything. Sure. Uh, so, and and these are, I mean, the, the thing I always tell people is if, <clears throat> if we can turn some focus. And, so the, the first inclination is to think that this is like a technology-centric effort. But I always try to remind people, it could be anything. It could be a, a piece of wooden furniture that's just designed with, adjustable height or what's, you know, these, just keeping these things in mind, like, why would somebody need to worry about that? And then when you see somebody that needs a, a height or a width or something to accommodate a, a wheelchair or a walk, whatever, then you, oh, okay. You know, then you, then you realize. So when people think about things like that, then if safety or uh, accessibility or if various things are taken into account for different types of products, then they probably will be better for everyone in general, just from the fact that they may be thought through more about safety or uh, um, flexibility, adjustability, accessibility, all these things where, you know, like say, say caregiver gets injured temporarily and now you need to be able to grab a grab bar or something, right? So, so having these things in place is not 
only about the person who may require or benefit from accessibility, but the people around them or somebody who's in a temporary situation, people who are aging in place, as they say. So yeah, yeah I think I think as more thought goes into it, because right now, like yeah, the, the, the common one is why would somebody want to have that? Why would somebody need an emergency shut off for water? Why would somebody need a, a doorbell that does whatever, right? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this yeah. goes. I did talk about, uh, well, if you live on on a one level in a one level house and you have a threshold that's say four inches above your outside walkway, and you think I don't need a ramp, but it's very hard to get a wheelchair over that threshold if you're uh, if you're the caregiver and you're not able to tilt that wheelchair while the person is sitting in it and they happen to be more than fifty pounds, um, you need a ramp. And so people would say, well, yes. why do you need a ramp? Well, you, why do you need wide doorway, wide hallways or doorways? Um, there are people moving into over 55 communities with doorways that are narrow because the builder doesn't think, well, they'll never need it. People who move in think, I'll never be in a wheelchair. Don't ever say never. Right. And, so, and it could be temporary. It could yes. be just you injured, you know, so yeah. you're. But they, but they don't um, plan for the future, right? Or the un, the unaccount, or the unexpected. Well, unexpected future. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I mean, where I, uh, me just moving stuff, right? There, some of my things are on wheels and uh, ramps versus getting over, just over the sill, the bottom of a doorway where there's the like the weather stripping and the. Mm -hmm. Just getting over that can be a challenge. So if you're in a wheelchair or if you're in a walker or if you are have a cane or if you are, yeah, the trip, it's a trip hazard. It's, a, it's an obstacle. Mm -hmm. So just, just moving furniture, even though I'm fine, uh, the effort that goes into getting over, get, like putting, putting something over a little bump or getting over the lip of a gate that's like an automated gate in the parking garage. Here. So all these things are like, man, if I was in a wheelchair, this would be an issue daily. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are, yeah. So there's just a, there, there's an entire mindset and, you know, we certainly have the technology and people are living longer. And so there's uh, the aging in place stuff, which, so that's another thing I tell people like it's, it, this is going to be uh, important or at least interesting for everyone really. So. Yeah. I keep saying, um, what about the 18 year old who will go skiing and he breaks his leg? And the, he, there's no accommodations for anybody that is temporarily um, at a, you know, with a disability. His disability is he's got to sit in a wheelchair or he's got to walk with crutches. And you know, it's hard to get around if you don't have certain things like uh, hard flooring instead of carpeting. Did you ever try to push a wheelchair on carpet? Oh, it's hard. A long time ago, I guess, with our, our cousin. But the, And so the other thing is like, even if you're, everything's fine, you could be in the shower or maybe in your bathroom if there's a towel floor and it's wet and you go to slip and you're like, oh, and you try to grab the towel bar that's held on by a little tiny screw and it yanks out of the wall and you're like, whoop, and you, you go down, right? So if there were more thought put into some robustness of well, safety and- Yeah. And too, I just might say that in this podcast, I said, you know, as you get older, there's nothing wrong with using grab bars as towel bars so that they're in the wall to stay and they can hold the weight. 
So sometimes you'd be in front of the sink and maybe you get dizzy so you can grab onto that towel bar. It's not going to fall right out of the wall because you thought ahead. And the whole thing is planning ahead, you know, for that just in case instead of I should have. Right. Well, and and if more more thinking more broadly along these lines starts to take place, then eventually it will be the narrow doors that are unusual because they're from older buildings. But Mm-hmm. Moving forward, there's no reason why, oh, if everybody goes with, what, a 40-inch door? Uh, yeah. Some, some, some width that accommodates most wheelchairs yeah. and, and is generally easier to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the common case, then it's like, okay, well, then everybody does that. So there's nothing, the yeah, cost that, won't be different. Right. That should be the, you know, the standard. Um, I have been in a couple of houses, namely in Scottsdale very high-end houses and they will have four and five levels um you walk in and then uh you're on a platform a foyer and you go down two steps in front of you to the living room you go down two steps to the dining room as you're in the living room you might go up another two steps into the kitchen then down one into the eating area i don't know what they were thinking but definitely i don't think anybody just making a blanket statement anybody over 50 should buy a house like that Uh, the other thing that builders have done is um, put the tub below grade so that it's the tub rim is at the level of the floor so you have to get down there there's no grab bars i don't know how they expect somebody to get down into a tub without breaking their neck and then when you get out of the tub you're soapy or wet and so you're sure to slip somewhere. There's sure. a lot of stupid things out there that they should just get rid of. I know that particular scenario with the tub, I haven't seen for a while, but there's a lot of houses that have it and people are keeping them. Right. And my suggestion is fill the damn hole and put a freestanding tub on your floor or just to be extra safe, put a shower in instead because I think tubs, once you're a certain age, should just be used as a decorative item. Don't even think about getting in because it's hard to get out. Hmm. And by the way, for if, if anyone has forgotten or if you don't know what we're talking about, so the, the idea would be for, that we're trying to drive here is to involve the development or construction or you know the commercial side of stuff, whether it's products or services or construction of homes and all involve people who need special accommodations, assistive technologies, um, people that know from experience so that it isn't some builder or some product designer, somebody designing the new wheelchair or a new smart speaker going, hey, this should be fine. Who would need it to work any other way than this? And then have someone who says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm vision impaired, I'm hearing impaired, I don't have complete mobility, I whatever. So whatever the special need cases are, you say, here's why the product you're going to release doesn't work allow me to participate in the design development debug process and you end up, so it's called co-creation. So you involve the people that are going to use the products who need them, who want them in the process. So that at the end of the day, uh, and so anyone who's done a custom kitchen design, for example, with you, you ask them, what do you need? How do you use your kitchen and whatnot? And they're involved in the process. So when you enable the co-creation model more broadly, it's, it's already kind of in use in some quarters, but very, you know, minimally. So you end up with better products where that, you know, Hey, why are you putting in this bump? 
why are you putting in the stair up and the stair down in the mm-hmm. in the house when I, why are you why does this product require well, you know the the alexa enabled the uh, uh, microwave is a, mm-hmm. is the example i was using. so yeah why do you need a voice activated microwave well uh, somebody actually said, if you, what if you don't have hands? What if you d- can't touch the microwave? Okay, same thing. So if you can't see, if you're vision impaired, or if you... Wait a minute. If you, can't, if you don't have hands, how are you going to get the food in the microwave? Uh, th- well, there are always ways to accommodate things, right? So, but, but if you can interact with the microwave in, in a way that's more flexible than merely touching a touch panel that has no tactile feedback... You're, you're making it more accessible, right? Because it probably still has a keypad and also can be voice activated. Maybe you have a robot arm, right? So the robot arm puts the, the food in the microwave and then you're like, okay, turn on the microwave, cook my popcorn, whatever. So, you know so I'm just amazing? saying like- yeah. What's amazing is the writer for the Jetsons really had um, a forward thinking uh, brain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all those post-war technology films, right? Like in the future, your house will be in the flying cars and the, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, it's coming to fruition. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that's that project. Okay. I, I think well, it'll be interesting as it unfolds. I do want to um, talk about one quick thing that's really bothering me. And I now have a a column that I'm writing called In My Opinion, which is on designerscirclehq.com, which is my online magazine that I've had for well, 14 years now. Um, so it's the people who were left in Afghanistan. They're, now we have private individuals and organizations trying to get these hostages out. Um, they've been there for over 60 days. Uh, the mainstream media doesn't talk about it anymore because they think, oh, if you don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. But these poor people are stuck in there. A lot of them have been killed, threatened, and a lot of them have gotten out, again, thanks to the private organizations and church groups and veterans who have uh, taken to joining in with these organizations and privately uh, rescuing these hostages. Uh, this should have never happened. That's my opinion. I think somebody screwed up and nobody's taking uh, responsibility. That's all I'm going to say about that because if you really want to know how I feel, you can read my column in designercirclehq.com. So I will then change the subject to coffee. Yay. I like this. While you were here for five weeks, we really did a lot of experimenting with my coffee pot, your grinder. Um, that's another whole world. You know, if you're a coffee drinker, uh, then listen to what Dan has to say because you've really, um, well, first of all, you never did make coffee with any of your other, um, I want to say not utensils, they're coffee type. Yeah. And, and actually, cause it, cause they were all packed in boxes. So to be honest, I'm kind of glad that I didn't, you know, do too much unpacking, repacking, and dealing yeah. with all that. But yeah, so I didn't take I didn't the AeroPress or the other stuff. But you did, um, thank God, and I thank you very much that you <laughs> unpacked your Baratza um, Euro, was it a Baratza Euro? Encore. 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 Um, coffee grinder. It is like the baseline entry level, 140 bucks, does it all. It's very, 
it's it's very uh, useful for people who want to try a good grinder. Yeah, very good. I'm at the point of uh, maybe giving myself a Christmas present. But so so I've unpacked now those other preparation methods. Um, mostly, I've just used the AeroPress, which is uh, it was invented and uh, made by the people who brought you the AeroBee frisbee. <laughs> so it's a plastic tube with a plunger and a screen and all that. So it's it's a, a coffee press that you is very portable, very cheap, and uh, it's very useful. It's kind of got a cult following. So I, I made some coffee with that and it's much stronger. Like you get much more extraction than with the Mr. Coffee coffee pot that you have, in my opinion, like mm-hmm. the, the amount of caffeine and just the general flavor that gets extracted. Cause I had some of the coffee that I was grinding at your house. I had a little bit left. So kind of a same comparison, right? Same grinder, mm-hmm. same bean, yeah, different method. Yeah, right. So, but you don't like very strong coffee. So I think you would have gotten, you would have been kind of like, eh, not really into the very rich, very but dark. I was drinking your coffee. But from the Mr. Coffee, I think you just get a lighter extraction. Oh. So, because I think there was just a, it's more caffeinated. Anyway, so the, for next time, or if you, uh, if you guys come up here and visit, because now, you, you know, it's your turn. I've been, I've spent enough time in Phoenix now for a, uh, for a while so <laughs> you're the kid i'm the parent that's what i've heard, that's what mm-hmm. I've heard. yes it's something that just happened a long time ago and that's the way it is but if you're going to get a barazza encore uh, and that's there's no affiliate marketing here or or kickbacks or i'm just uh, it's the product i use and i like it but if you get one of those you can just throw on an aeropress and you can try it for yourself so making uh aeropress coffee you make a one cup of coffee and uh you would taste the difference I think they're like $25, maybe 30. Oh, an AeroPress? Yeah, I use it all the time. Between that and the pour over, those are probably my two kind of go-to because they're kind of the easy, quick and easy. French press takes a while and it's kind of messy at the end because you got to deal with all these coffee grounds. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a sludge at the bottom of the, the press. Well, I mean, it's, co- <laughs> it's you're drinking it. So it's, you know. I don't like to have so, coffee grinds in my coffee, uh, you know. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the French press is fine, but at the end, you've drank your coffee, and now you're like, oh, that's right. I got to deal with the, you know, the, the it's, it's a good puck of coffee sitting at the bottom of your French press. You have to, first of all, getting it out of the French press is fun because it's pressed down into the bottom, right? The, the AeroPress is a tube, so you take the bottom screen thing off and rinse it out, and the co- you just pop the coffee out, the puck comes right out and you're done with a, with an espresso machine, with the portafilter, you hit it on the knock blocks. No, I'm sorry. Knock box. They call it has the bar on it and you smack it. So these coffee pucks are easy to deal with in those cases or the pour over, you just have a a little funnel of coffee and you just dump that out or throw it away. So the French press to me is the most messy and least fun to deal with. But anyway, yeah, you just get different extraction, different types of flavor, different amounts of notes and all that. So it's it's been interesting. Well, talking about coffee grinds, they are good for plants. 
I used to put coffee grounds in my plants when I had a lot of plants. Unfortunately, you don't have any plants, you don't have any pets, you don't have any goldfish. No so, kids, no pets, no plants. Yeah. Right. So um, you've got to just take those coffee grounds and throw them away in the garbage. Um, but maybe you should get a plant. Or a pet. Nah, <laughs> pets don't like coffee grinds. But at least you can recycle your coffee grinds um, with your plants. True. What, what I'm sort of bummed, uh, although you probably would have explicitly not liked it, but we could have tried a Turkish coffee. That would have been super easy to make. I'm going to try that when we go to Turkey. I've got that on my list. Very good. Mm. Okay. Pretty good. Because so, it has a lot of coffee in the bottom of it. So. Oh, really? It, they don't, uh, you dump all of the coffee grinds and the water, everything that goes into the cup, you drink it. And as soon as you start chewing the coffee, you're stop, you stop drinking and the, then don't you the dump it out into grind, the saucer. Don't the coffee grinds get in your teeth? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, no thanks. So, but the, so you dump out, so you turn, put the saucer on top, you flip it over and then somebody will come by and read your fortune based on the coffee grounds that are on the saucer and all that. So, oh, so that's a whole ritual. Yeah. Different cultures, different uh, things to yeah. learn. Yeah. Well, and I have a Vietnamese coffee. What is it called? A fin, I think. P-H-I-N. So if you've ever been to a Vietnamese restaurant, you get a Vietnamese iced coffee. It's it's literally a metal cup that sits on top of your glass and it's perforated on the bottom. So you pour the hot water in and it it runs through, you know, streaming there at uh, filters through into your glass. And usually if it's an iced coffee, there will be some sweetened condensed milk and some ice cubes. Coffee will drip into there, stir it up, and that's it. So that is a super easy way to make coffee, although it's still a little bit messy, but it's an interesting difference. And that little metal cup thing is six bucks, eight bucks, whatever. So, okay, it's another way to make coffee. It's kind of fun. So it's a it's a relatively cheap habit if you don't want to go spend $1,500 on an espresso machine with a double boiler and all that. Yeah. Or if you don't so want to go okay to Turkey with... and get uh, coffee grinds in your teeth. Oh, I have... No, I have a I have a Shevza, 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 however you say it, C E V Z E or something. So it's just a little metal coffee pot with a long handle. You put it on the heater. You heat up. You put the coffee and the water in the the Turkish coffee pot. You heat it up. You don't stir it. You let the water boiling action percolate it, and then you pour the whole thing into your glass and, or your cup, your demi tasse, and you drink it until you're chewing, and then you stop. <laughs> so and there again, the the shevza shevza, I don't know how you say it. It's been a while. We'll have somebody write in and tell us how you pronounce it phonetically. But there again, there there a couple bucks, a couple like you're you're not talking a hundred, two hundred dollars. You're talking ten dollar, fifteen dollar investments. So you can try all these different methods, and whichever one works best. If you want to do a morning coffee, if you want to do a pour over, if you want to do a coffee drip like you have, if you're if you're making eight cups of coffee a day for more than one person versus if it's just you or if you want to make a different cup, try different kinds of grinds. So it's it's a pretty cheap habit, I have to say. So, mm -hmm. Well, you have been um, really um, exploring different coffee, but do you do the same with different foods? Are you willing to try any kind of food and has your tastes widened since you traveled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Traveling around, like why not? Now I'm not, I don't really try like I'm not really into organ meats and I'm not into, you know, insects and things sort of esoteric extremes. Would monkey but, brains be considered organ meats? Yeah, I'm not well, yeah, I'm not really that's yeah. if you're in the golden triangle someday, try that out. But Ugh, no thanks. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, yeah. Oh, okay. And so probably the, the, something that you would probably be shocked at. I don't know if you had an opportunity to try this when you were in Italy, but there is, um, I can't remember what the, what the menu description would be, but it's essentially raw sausage. So it's raw and, meat. Yeah. So it's not quite tartare. It's served like a sausage, but it's it's uh, not cooked. Mm-hmm. So unexpected, but it's it's actually pretty good. So okay. How long have not you known you me? Hear. How long have you known me? Yeah, I know. A, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, do you know that I don't try anything new? My my likes right. and dislikes are very strong. And um, my menu is very small. So did I ever try raw meat? No. Raw fish? No. Uh, no I don't know if you would have encountered it even. Because no, I had it in Italy. Did. I had it in Torino up in the north. In, in, uh, uh, okay. So that was an interesting extreme, I, su- I suppose. I was in um, France when I was working for that smart card company. And I had... It was the first time I had raw fish that was not Japanese style. So it was a, you know, European style raw fish. Very unusual, unexpected. Eh, not bad. It was an unusual texture. But so, yeah, I would say I, I've, um, I'm up for trying a lot of things. Not everything, but a lot of things. I don't know where you got that. You certainly didn't get it from me. It's, I think, Although, you know, you're. Yeah, there are things that you will not eat. This is true. Well, I mean, I know I don't like them, so it's not like uh, I've had liver. I don't like it. Oh, I, I don't like think. bananas. Yeah, I don't well, like tuna, tuna fish, fish in, in a can. can. Right. Well, there are a few things that you don't like. Um, there are a few things that I do like. So I guess we're very different in that respect. But certainly, like vegetables, super easy, right? So yeah, what, spices. What's not to like, like with vegetables? Well, okay, so uh, if you go to an Indian restaurant, first of all, have you ever been to an Indian restaurant? Nope. Okay, so <laughs> Indian restaurant, uh, they have, I, it's, um, I don't know if they call it like stuffed cauliflower, but it's it's a cauliflower, a head of cauliflower with just all kinds of herbs and spices and stuff stuck in there, and they cook it like that. So it's totally vegetarian. It's got a fairly intense flavor to it, but it's really good. So there's nothing really too outlandish about tasting that and trying it well i'm okay with veggies and spices except Um, that maybe it's too strong a flavor you know so but um so things like that those are easy so odd fruits you know yeah darien i've smelled i think i've tried it somewhere but that's like the the stinky singaporean fruit really no i never came across that I it looks not, like a big spiked bowling ball. Yeah, I'm not crazy about avocado. Not that I ever tasted it, but just I don't like the color. I don't like the <laughs> texture, and I don't like the. But look you've of never it. tasted it, so no, the, the texture can, is fine. It looks like mushy crap, green. Oh, well, no. okay. Get one that's not ripe, and it'll be not mushy at all. But uh, avocado is good. I know people that use them for cooking desserts right you can make frosting out of it it's just a it's a fatty vegetable so you can yeah it, so so there you go so avocado those are it's a good healthy fat i, I put avocados in my food all the time so well good for you yeah so there you go yeah 
Well, I think you're, um, we're coming towards the end. So um, you're looking forward to, I'm sure, not with a lot of zest and uh, vim and vigor, unpacking the rest of your stuff. So uh, at least you were able to uh, do this podcast. You found your computer and your. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get, you know, back on a few projects that I want to execute on and whatnot. So getting getting into a position where I can start doing some work and, and first of all, accessing the internet is a way of life. That's mm-hmm. the way humans operate nowadays. Yeah. So th- this apartment complex is much more online. So for example, when I moved in, I was like, okay, there were two small problems with the refrigerator and the toilet were, uh, f- so you file a ticket on the, the apartment portal and a person showed up the next morning and it, you know, five minutes done, done. And then I get an email survey. How was the repair and the tickets? So the, you know the the loop is very convenient. But if you're totally offline, then you're not participating in their workflow they have here. So mm. between that and um, you know changing my address in various places is easier online than you know. So and I do have my phone, but without having some sort of an internet connection, you're stuck with whatever Wi-Fi or cell data that you're paying for more. So. It was just one of those early steps to get checked off, right? Okay, back online, computer, internet, complete some tasks. Good. Oh, computer, stop. My speaking uh, thing. Yeah. Okay, well, I think um, I've got to get back to my everyday stuff. And so I just want to mention again that my uh, online magazine, designercirclehq.com, is available. It's a website. It's available to everybody. And my other podcast, and again, this week it will be published on Wednesday, and it's um, just items or different things you can do to make your home safe, no matter what your situation is, whether you've got a disability or you're just aging like we all are. And I wish somebody would invent something that would stop the aging process. But until that happens, we're all going to get old. There's nothing we can do about it. (laughs) So um, you can subscribe to Hugo Floss as well as uh, Home Design Chat with Nancy, which is the podcast I do about design every single week. If you have any questions... You can you can send an email to me or to Dan. So, Dan, they should send the email to where? The, the Dan at HugoFloss.co is a, a good one. And we're also encouraging people to be a guest on this show because we don't censor anybody. If you have something you want to talk about, a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't want to do a podcast. Well, we're not recording the video just the audio and you know if you're embarrassed about talking well maybe then you should just not talk to anybody but this is something (laughs) this is something that everybody does they talk a lot of people have something to say if it's important or if you just want to share your thoughts then you can uh, email us at join at hugofloss.com and dot co i'm sorry dot dot com Yes. So let's do that again. Join at hugofloss.co. As in join us for a podcast. Yes. Then you have the opportunity to talk. We can, you know, we can just um, publish what you have to say. Maybe what you have to say doesn't make any sense. We can be the judge of that. (laughs) Or maybe you just That hasn't stopped us. So. Yeah, right, right. You know, there's, let's face it, we talk about everything and anything. So 
anyway, that's it. I hope everybody has a great day, a great week, and uh, keep those masks on when you're in a group of people. I have stopped going to events because being the petite person I am, I don't want your droplets dropping on my body. Because That's a good policy. A, yeah, when you're in a crowd, everybody's talking, but their head is above my, their mouth is above my head. And so I've got to be careful with that. So wear your mask. Okay, I don't have any, I'm going to get off my soapbox now, Dan. Sounds good. And uh, I mean, yeah, wear your mask. That sounds good. And uh, we're, yeah, we're getting back into the thing. So there will probably be more interesting things week over week as I'm now back in Vegas and have these projects going and you have a lot of projects going, which probably is for another time as, as more of the stuff comes together. So join us in the future. Will we ever have a website? Yes. Oh, uh, really? In the meantime, I thought you were yeah. asking me. I was going to say, I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a question for the masses. I'm sure everybody everybody is wondering, where is the Hugo Floss website? Well, um, they're saying everybody should have a website. Matter of fact, yes. let me just say this. Um, I got off Facebook because they censored me, and I all I did was post a very simple picture supporting the police, which I definitely support the cops. You never know when you're going to need one. And why shouldn't you support them? So anyway, I had a picture on Facebook. They took it off. I said, ciao. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'm leaving the account open, but I'm not posting. I refuse to really give Zuckerberg any more Zuckerbucks or do anything to support him. So yeah. my, my suggestion to people was start a website. You'll own it. I own uh, Designer Circle. I own... Uh, uh, actually, Home Design Chat. With, no, we don't have a Facebook. I'm sorry. I own designercirclehq.com. So that's why and I'm... And Hugo. Yeah. But that's why I'm able to write a column called Uncensored. So I can write about anything. Nobody's going to pull it. So if somebody has a lot to say, start your own website. It could be one page. Buy the domain and get get it done. What's, what's the big thing? If you like having Zuckerberg rule your life, go for it. I don't. I agree. That's why uh, self-publish, self-publish, self-host if you can, or you know, basically take back your your internet presence. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of my collection of projects is automating and building up some of the various things and all that. So yeah, take your take your stuff. Yes, own it. Yes, definitely. On that note, have a nice week, Dan. Bye. Have a nice week, Nancy, and to you listening, do the same.